those helicopter bars <laughs> <laughs> wow it's so long he stirs his drinks with it Ooh. it's kind of salty now i don't know why all right we're uh opening up on the the newest addition to the dead kids of Derry archives mca universal brought to uh brought to us for by vhs today very nice Ooh. very good deal we have firestarter Ooh. I'm I'm a tingle. I'm so excited. Burning <laughs> embers, uh, kind of on time. They get the, there's a reboot of this. I think coming out next month or something yeah. like that. Yeah, there was also a reboot that they did in like 2020. No, the, there was one that early 2000s. I think they also did. A was it made for TV. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could have sworn. Like most, like most of the uh, things tied to this story, it was God's great mistake. So, the beloved uh, Drew Barrymore. This was her the follow up to ET. ET was right before this, and it wasn't like they were both released in the same year. I think this is like two, three, four years after ET. Yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a there's a little bit of distance between this and ET. For sure, ET was eighty-two. So, so they were they were really banking on this one to be a good time, <laughs> and quite equal out that way. Now, originally, John Carpenter was supposed to do this, and uh, that didn't that didn't happen. But this this I you know after knowing that this the opening theme I felt had like a very John Carpenter vibe to it. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and I couldn't help but think throughout the whole film, try and tie the carpenter things in. You know what I mean? Because you, you know, you know, you you know how it is where you know if they if they're prepping a film for a certain director and he hires certain people to be on the film and he gets pulled out last minute, his imprint's still there through the people he hired and you oh, know yeah, if they sure. if, if they use his storyboards and stuff. So like that was. You know, that was something I tried to keep in consideration while rewatching this. You know what I mean? All the way down to this gentleman here, who's in the, who, a big star of the film, David Keith. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who, if you think about it, he's kind of like a poor man's Kurt Russell. <laughs> like, you he's kind of like a poor man's Kurt Russell. Yeah. You, you almost get the vibe like if Carpenter did direct, it would have been Kurt Russell playing this character. And like maybe, maybe Dylan Walsh sketches or something were done where they really liked that look enough to go. All right. Well, I mean, this is back when they would they would cast around the looks and stuff. So they'd want to, you know, once you kind of get a certain look, you gotta you gotta kind of keep with that, even if you're replacing. I think that's the case. I think that's partially the case too. Like you said, there's definitely like an interlaced vibe of Carpenter-esque decision-making 
throughout this whole movie, even if it does kind of fall flat of being a Carpenter movie. Yeah. But the cool thing is, I mean, it's been so long since I've seen this, and after watching the credits, I realized how this is Mark Lester. And I actually really liked, like, Class of 1999 and um, Class of 1984. And, you know, he's actually done some other stuff. And he's a very good uh, filmmaker. So, um it's it's been. I mean, I, I really I wish I was able to find this movie and watch it because it's been so long since I've seen it. Because I was thinking about it before we're about to watch this. I'm like, what the hell do I fucking remember? And I'm like, good pyrotechnics and George E. Scott and Drew Barrymore, and that was it. This guy's like, if he said, I want Kurt Russell and Albert Brooks to play the the same the same person. That's how you got this guy right here. I love Albert Brooks. Oh, there's my dude right there. Anthony Vargas, I believe his name is right there. That gentleman driving, he was an I'm going to get you sucker. He was. Uh, You know, I'm going to get you sucker is a movie that people don't talk enough about. That's a masterpiece of comedy filmmaking. That was was the the OG Waynes, the, the very first break for the Waynes family. Very good stuff. Fucking fantastic stuff, especially if you like seventies exploitation films and people making fun of them. Who doesn't? I mean, you should. He only looks like Danny DeVito. That's not. <laughs> Danny DeVito. He's a little taller. He's got shaped legs. I got an Albert Finney thing vibe going on. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But yeah, like I think I I think because Lester is a really good filmmaker. Just to to kind of piggyback off what Coin was saying, because Class nineteen eighty four, Class nineteen ninety nine, those movies are fucking awesome. I I think he just kind of came in too late into the game to stop the train at, before it left the station on this, and it, it it's just you got a lot of. I think there was probably a lot of turmoil behind the scenes because of Tra- Carpenter's last minute departure. Yeah. And having so much of the crew already in there, and it probably hurt the film in the long run. So the the it was already going into production. Basically, Lester came. You know, I mean, we're going into production. We're running and gunning. And, you know. Oh, and it was he, absolutely a eleventh hour. It was, yeah. was one hundred percent eleventh hour. Because I mean, up until he was, Carpenter was attached to this, like pretty much like right until they were right about to film it. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, the thing, the thing which was his film before this didn't do good at the box office, so they pulled him out of here. Yeah. Like, t- the timing on that production was, uh, it really didn't help it, especially with E.T. just being released uh, beforehand. Um, the thing came out, also 82, which kind of, you know, I think the world was m- more wanted a friendly alien than a bad alien, so, you know, was kind of shunned on, but now I mean, the thing is just regarded as probably one of the greatest horror movies of the 80s, part of the holy trinity of horror remakes in the I 80s. Think, I think it's one of the greatest horror film, films ever made. Yeah, Certainly in- the re- rationalization that uh, if an alien's coming down to our planet, most likely it's going to be a bad alien alien over a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it also kind of goes, I, I, I think this probably was a little bit, because um, this is a bit like, I, w- I would say Firestarter rests in that sci-fi horror 
niche. I, I don't yeah. I don't think it's like a straight up horror movie, and I don't think it's a straight up sci fi movie. It's definitely got elements of both. Um, oh, the thing we still talking thing? No, I was thinking about Firestarter. Oh, Firestarter. Yeah, it is. Look at that psychological horror. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not something that, I, and I think that's probably why it also gets per, some some revilement, a little bit of a poor reception. Is it's kind of like a movie that doesn't really know what it wants to be, right? At some points, in my opinion, it just was trying to find the tone as it went along, almost like not actually having zeroing in on something. Because it's funny how things can shift. Um, where you're, you know, trying to create the tone, but you're not really landing it, so it just keeps kind of shifting, right. and you just it's kind of difficult to kind of, you know, pace the movie in your brain so you can kind of have it go along. Yeah, I feel I feel like it's it's like a, a collection of things happening that doesn't ever quite put you in the thing that's happening. You never, you never really get totally sucked into this movie. And I think a lot of that has to do too with like, it's not the best shot film on the planet. It's, it's not the lighting's passable, but it's not, there's nothing, there's nothing in this movie that really like jumps out at you and goes, Hey, pay fucking attention. At least in my opinion. Well, there's a lot riding on the dynamic of the father and daughter and even like him and the love interest. And if it was a case of Kurt Russell playing it and getting pulled out, that would fuck up kind of the dynamic of those actors a little bit, too, if they got a new presence coming in. Oh, big time. Um, yeah, and, that, and that could essentially also change the tone of the film. For sure, for sure. You have, you have an actor, you know, like him versus the gentleman we have here. Really, like Back to the Future effect. You see, like at the scenes with Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly, and then you watch the scenes with uh, Michael J. Fox. You know what I mean? Very different. It's not even, and it's not even close. Yeah, you could Eric almost Stoltz. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like Eric Stoltz. If, if Eric, Stoltz, they continued with him, it probably would never have been sequels. <laughs> yeah, no, it. it that though you see that test footage, or I should say, the full scenes that he did before they pulled him, and it just it it just there was nothing there. It didn't feel it didn't have that electricity that Michael J. Fox did, and that can that can apply to this too. If this was all meant to happen to Kurt Russell and not David Keith, David Keith's gonna look like the square peg in the round hole. Yeah, not to be confused with Keith David. It's so easy. John I know Carpenter those names. Another Carpenter connection with Roddy Roddy Piper. Hell yeah. Put on the sunglasses. Put on the sunglasses. Mm. Most epic fight scene ever. So long. Hell yeah. (laughs) So long. And that came came from what? The Searchers originally that he uh, got inspired by from that fight scene? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And the WWF influence, too. Mm. Now, Drew Barrymore, America's little sweetheart over here. Quite possibly the most successful of the children actors. You know what I mean? I can't think of anybody. Maybe Ben Stiller, maybe. You know what I mean? I think that in the overall scheme of things, I don't know. Ben Stiller was more of a teenage actor, I think. Yeah, no. 
I, I, Barrymore, I mean, she's on day t- daytime TV now. She's huge. She's over. Yeah. They gave her her own talk show. It's named after. Like, that's... Or you could almost say on a more indie level, I love how what Macaulay Culkin has been able to do in recent years, you know, being a child actor. Yeah. Going through that rough period. Now he's almost like a Jeff Goldblum. So very eccentric and very put together. People just have so much respect that he survived that they give him all that Jeff Goldblum love. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but Drew Barrymore is very much in the same boat. She went on to yeah. do some wild shit. Yeah. In, uh, before, you know, after after her childhood stuff, she she went and did some cool stuff. Santa Clarita Diet, like that show she was on. I love that show. Like Whip It? Like Whip It, James? Whip It? I did not hate Whip It <laughs> as much as everybody else on the planet seemed to. I really didn't. <laughs> that show you just mentioned, I, I enjoyed too. The Santa yeah. Clara Diet show, that was a good show. Oh, like her hair's moving. Her hair's moving. Stuff's going to She's going to lose it. She, she would later go on to make her hair used from cocaine abuse. Woo-hoo. Now that's a hot foot. Hot yeah. foot. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you do the drugs, kid. Oh, I, wonder, I wonder what point drugs came into the picture for her. Very like, young. From you what tell, you think she was already on him? Before, I don't think she was on him quite yet, Ooh. but it was like wicked young. It was like 12, 13, yeah. something like that. Perfect perfect age to start doing cocaine. That's what I say. You rehab quicker. I heard yeah, they say you rehab quicker. Get them before the heart's fully developed. That's the best way to get this, something that <laughs> completely jazzes up your circulatory system. That should it. be on a t-shirt. <laughs> Didn't she like have something to do with uh, Donnie Darko? Like she helped like write it or direct it or something. She was a producer on Donnie Darko. Producer, that's what. She was behind <laughs> the scenes for a hot minute, like in her career. She wasn't really doing a lot of acting, but she was doing a lot of like behind the camera work. I think she had a small role in front of the camera as well as one of the teachers. She was the teacher. Yeah, yeah. So. She was like a Carrie Fisher. Like, Carrie mm-hmm. Fisher ghost wrote a ton of stuff. Like she was doing like, like final revision editing on like big ass scripts for movies. Oh, like that would I blow love what you did for Hook. Yeah, <laughs> for Hook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, she did cleanup work for the script on Hook. Wow. See, also, uh, we wouldn't have had a Rufio without her. Oh, really? <laughs> Think That's about that. Bless you, more. Yeah, pretty really spicing up that Julia Roberts dialogue. <laughs> Everything about Julia Roberts needs to be spiced up anyway. She's like the hu- she's like the human equivalent of like a jar of Hellman's mayonnaise. Oh no, I think a jar of Hellman's mayonnaise is uh, spicier than uh, Julia Roberts because <laughs> I like I like Hellman's. That's fair. I do too. That's fair. Maybe, no maybe, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Maybe a piece of like uh, dry white bread is more like Julia Roberts. That's fair. That's perfectly I fair. I can't get over the fucking work that Nicole Kidman did there. She was gorgeous. Gorgeous woman. And I didn't realize that she had plastic surgery. I almost didn't recognize her. Well, Another thing I'll give you back. I, I, no. Isn't that the plan? If you, if you can't recognize? Can't. Because you can recognize people. Unfortunately, there's some people you can definitely recognize that had some plastic surgery. Can't age ever in Hollywood. You're not allowed. Although I will give Drew Barrymore credit. She looks fucking fantastic in in her 
fifties. I see. She's aged incredibly well. She really has. Oh hell yeah! Really? Yeah. Yeah. Kill it, dude! Kill it. And she don't look like she had five hundred fucking cc's of inner tube polyurethane pumped into her fucking lips. So that that's nice. I think sometimes they make mistakes and put concrete in some of those people's faces. I would not be surprised and even in the fucking slightest. It's a that happens great. when you go across country to do it. Or when desperation Cheaper, kicks in. Though. Then they go to the super, supermarket and basically ripping apart the chickens, sticking the collagen straight in their lips so they can do it themselves. If you could save <laughs> 300 bucks, you could get concrete put in your face. You know what I mean? No yeah. big deal. I'll take the concrete. I'm pretty sure that's what David Keith did to his chin. You seeing that shit? <laughs> <laughs> It's like Bruce Campbell wants his copywritten copy, uh, <laughs> copyright fucking royalties, dude, on it's, your chin. It's funny because when I look at him, I for some reason I always think of like Dylan Walsh. I don't know. Yeah, why. no, they, they they look very, very, very similar. I, I think it's I, the brow that does it. I, I buy it. They they do. They look very. They look very alike. Like they could be brothers in another timeline. You know what I mean? Remember, I said to my mother once, Mom, don't you think this actor kind of looks like Dad? She's like, that's John Saxton. And I'm like, yeah. Do you think Dad's forehead is that big? It's like, you're <laughs> Irish. You all have big heads. And happy belated. Uh, happy belated. Happy belated. Day, everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That happened, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. I had I can... and beef. <laughs> $10 million they had to make this movie. Pretty modest for the time, I guess. A lot of fire. This was before the, the the days of CGI fire. So every Ooh, time so they real rolled, fire. yeah. So every time they rolled up, it was trouble. It was possible <laughs> doom. Get those fire details on set. I mean, those anybody, cheap by any stretch. Get that pyro gel. Come on. Yeah, get the Zell gel. <sighs> Drew Barrymore. He's got the pigtails. She was in. You got to figure like. Three quarters into her career, she did uh, The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler, which is a, yeah. one of her greatest achievements, I must say. And she's very, you know, she's she kept that cuteness the entire time type deal. You know what I mean? That quirky little cuteness type deal. I think deal. that's what made her brandable. I really that's what made her yeah. unique as, as an actress. You don't, you don't, a lot of people don't do that. Even though she, <laughs> yeah. Even though she fell into some issues with with drugs and alcohol, she didn't really kind of. She never wound up in a coffin. I think that certain people kind of watched out for a little bit, or she never had like any diddling situations, as far as we know. Knock on wood. No diddling. No diddling. You get a child actor back in the day. Diddling was in your contract. That was like it was. And your parents had to sign for it. I need. I have a three p.m. diddling. I must be there on time, or I'll get in trouble. Well, well, I mean, the thing is that she's from Hollywood royalty, the uh, Barrymores. So, I mean, I'm sure that uh, mom, dad had a slew of lawyers and agents and a a whole slew of people just watching, keeping Drew from being. But, you know, you could have the Menendez brothers parents. It's a horror movie for you. Don't get me going about those fucks. I'm still mad about Fright Night, too. Since you brought up the Roberts, Bro, family, the Roberts family, uh, the greatest thing Eric Roberts ever did outside of House Across the Street 
was him and Cable Guy playing the Menendez brother, where he's like, Johnny, no. Johnny, oh, no. Yeah. But he's going to yeah. shoot the father. Yeah. Oh, magnificent. Oh, Eric Roberts. Killing it. Way more talented than the sister. I said it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh. Well. Bloodfest in this movie, man. Everywhere I look. Is it that time of month? Is that a power wheel? <laughs> I like it. You should know, Hawk. You're a professional. Big wheels. You had the big wheels going. Uh, He's got some big hair going, too, man. Look at that. It's like the afro for the white man. They wanted his hair to look like fire. Or at least hair that's been on fire. That's more. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that was. Billy, are you wearing that hairstyle just for tonight? (laughs) You could. You should. Sharpen that up and hurt people with that here, Bill. <laughs> I could. I could do like a crazy anime thing and then just fucking jab people. Dude, just Liberty Spike it. Liberty Spike liberty it. Like spike three it. of them, right? Yes. And then then you lower your head that. in an aggressive manner like a Triceratops and just... <laughs> yeah. quite, if, you, if, you, if you spike your hair up like that and dye it like two different colors, you'll become pop culture. They'll, they'll put you on like the face-off show if that's a deal anymore. You'll yeah. Yeah. You'll probably do better business. That's just the way it works, Bill. That's just the way yeah. it works. It's you got to become a gimmick, belly boy. You got to become a gimmick. <laughs> Look at him killing this kid. You can't, you know, kids don't die like they used to back in the day. That looked like he died from a wedgie. Got him the chloroform. <laughs> it did. The, that definitely, I mean, I know it was supposed to be chloroform, but the way they had that set up, he looked like he was dying from an atomic wedgie. Just saying. The way he ran that kid into the van was they need a stunt man. He almost hit that kid's head on the fucking door and killed him. Fuck yeah, that's what I'm saying. Man. Ooh, the father's getting angry now. now what's going to happen now? I, I, I always love it when, when, when they're supposed to do something like uh, uh, telekinesis or whatever. that They have to hold their head to like show that they're doing something. Psychic pain. Uh, yeah, yeah, almost like in scanners where they're kind of like have that yes. look in their eye or just kind of like, I'm holding my head so I'm using my brain. Power. I mean, well, well, Alex, I think, I think that I think it's kind of challenging from a filmmaking standpoint to like demonstrate psychic powers in the first place because it's supposed to be happening in your fucking brain yeah. and then it's affecting the other person in a certain way so you do i i kind of get it because you do have to be a little more animated to well, signify I, like i'm doing the thing doing the thing thing i'm doing it yeah it's well, almost I, like shakespeare I, without words it's it's the exuding of the intensity that yeah. you're trying to do but you're not using words. You're trying to like give looks, you know, and be animated with your features and specific. And if it's shot and edited well, and you look at something like scanners and it looks great, but you know, I've seen it in other movies, like with, you know, different types of kinetic energy or people that have, you know, whatever. And they're like, it's, it's like they're yeah. barely trying to maintain. And it's like, is he having a seizure or is he invoking something? What the hell oh, is he oh, doing? Oh, oh, oh. What I love is like you watch like any of the X Men movies with either Patrick Stewart or uh, James Malkavoy. It really does it where he's like you know he puts his hand. It's like you know Magneto, don't do this. This is wrong. We have to be better. I mean, it, sometimes it looks cool, but like in Firestarter, obviously it airs on the side of well, this is fucking stupid. Uh, camp. <laughs> yeah, it's a, camp is a. I would say camp is a very generous word. 
That's very kind of you, Alex. <laughs> well, I'm trying. To, I, I'm trying to be kind because I don't want to upset uh, uh, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Oh, I think we're wishes, good. I'm sure she wishes this movie never existed. It's, she's like Kevin Bacon with Friday the Thirteenth Part One. She, he doesn't even acknowledge it exists. David Cronenberg would have been a good director to take a shot at this for sure. I think so too. This Maybe. is in. This is up his alley. Maybe there was bad blood after the dead zone. Hey, Martin Sheen's back again. Stephen King said, doesn't like most of his movies. Maybe that's all it took was, well, how about we have somebody new direct? Not, we won't go back to David. No, he was just honest about the reviews of his movies before they started paying him to say that he liked them. Oh, uh, Just being real about George it. George C. Scott. Ooh, Patton. Legendary. Oh, come on. You can't get heavier than George C. Scott and Martin Sheen in the same room together. Was this an I'm, I'm surprised was... there's any scenery left. They're just, they're just chewing it all. <laughs> Big horror era for George C., I think. Yeah. The Changeling. I mean, you know, get a few. That, that was 80s. Exorcist yeah. 3 was roughly around this time, probably. No, Exorcist 3 was 90, 90, 91. You're right. I think it was early nineties. I think this. I think this was like George C. Scott's swan song, though. Like he was just doing whatever the fuck he wanted at this point. So, and I think Exorcist Three was one of the last. I really like that movie. What three? Fuck yeah! Yeah, I think Three is actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, I don't know why people hated on it so long. Two's an absolute pile of shit, but three is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I revisited that one, and I forgot that that is bad. I don't know. I said it was good, and I'm like, what the hell is that wrong with me? I watched it again. It's like, this is, a, this is dog shit. Nope. 100% cash grab. Worst fucking sequel ever made. Uh, Tangerine Even Exorcist 2, Heretic, I revisited that. It's like, man, that was bad. Tangerine and, Dream did the soundtrack on this. Yeah, I noticed that. Like the 80s. Epic. Almost epic. Every, everything in the 80s was Tangerine Dream. Epic musical group, for sure. Oh uh, supposedly, God. they never actually watched the film. They just sent him the, the music, and he chose whatever I love what Tangerine Dream did for uh, Michael Mann's The Keep. That's one of my favorite soundtracks. And, um, and, uh, it's one yeah. of those movies that probably will never see the light of day, because there's just... Thief. I don't know, so, so many variables that are just like, no, Michael Mann's not happy with it, Tangerine Dream isn't, isn't happy with it. If you have it on VHS, then you're lucked out. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tangerine Dream is fucking keep. Uh, legend. Yeah. Near Thief. Dark. Yeah, Thief. Thief. Thief, classic. They did amazing, amazing soundtrack work in the 80s. Would they do Manhunter? No. I don't know. I don't know. I want to find out, though. Oh, yeah. I was actually just talking about that with Jeremy Aruda because they just did a... Arrow just did a release of uh, Legend. Yeah, I, I just I just saw something about that today. Yeah, and they did, they, but it has the American and the European extended cuts, so it has both mm-hmm. soundtracks, the Tangerine and Dream and the Philharmonic, the London Philharmonic soundtrack. Wow. It has both. And I was saying, like, I would give, like, my left nut to get that on, like, a vinyl set. 
What did you already give your left nut for? You must have already given it. Well, I mean, if if you must know, I I am uh, I don't need them anymore. I've had I've had the the do the 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 thing where you don't yeah. What you got your sperm frozen or something? You got neutered. You got neutered, Uh, bro. Yeah, but they still work. You know, James is a eunuch. James (laughs) is a eunuch. No balls. But no, though they're still there. They're still there. (laughs) Yeah, they're like just uh, filled with ball bearings, so they just clank together. He's got goldfish, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna get you, sucker. No, it's like it's like with the dogs when you take them out, they put like the fake ones in. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. Gross. None of that's true. Absolutely, none of that's true. But He's uh, lying. yeah, but no, my 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 left nut. I sold that a long time ago for reasons. That's a different story. In case, in case anybody was wondering how George C. Scott became involved with this film, he he, he asked for a million dollars and then gave it to him. No shit. Yeah. Well, that's George C. Scott for you. I mean, that's the actors of his caliber. Like, hey, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they counteracted and said, like, whatever, we'll give you seven hundred and fifty to 850000 And they're like, it's fucking George C. Scott. Let's give him a cool million. He's worth it. Dino, but, De, yeah, Dino De Laurentiis ran off the Universal and they flipped the bill. Yeah. But they had $10 million to work with for the whole budget. So, like, literally one-tenth of their budget was just George C. Scott. Apparently. I mean, that's... Well, that's kind of like the Marlon Brando deal. Yeah. yeah. He, he strong-armed somebody out of, like, a million dollars a day or something like that. Something crazy. Maybe it was... It was on some project. It, it was. I believe uh, that was Island of Doctor Moreau. Uh, I like, <laughs> well, I, I think he also did that with um, Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now, where he had it in the contract that he had got paid like a million dollars a day. He would only shoot three specific days. If he was pushed past those days, they had to do like two million or like something ridiculous like that. And then he doesn't when, even he don't even remember his lines. Imagine spending that much for an actor and they don't even remember that. And they want a Brando for Moreau. Bob Shea over at New Line said, We just had a nightmare of a production just dealing with him on a movie called Don Juan DeMarco. No, we don't want to deal with we don't want to deal with him again. And there was a great, there was, uh, the documentary is amazing, but one of my favorite lines, I can, I love my impression of Brain. It's like, you know what? Why don't we just fuck with Bob Shea? And, um, man, I mean, that was just a bitch of a production, that, you know, Moreau project. I mean, it's fascinating, the making of it, but I love the movie as well because it's such a different, Envisioning from the book, I love the. I'm, I've always been fast. I've been fascinated with the character of Moreau just as much as Victor Frankenstein from a very young age. But I mean, it is also a movie that ended Richard Stanley's career for like 25 years. So yeah, I was back and better than I was. No, and he's doing great. I love his resurgence. I mean, you know, he's a very good. Hardware is an amazing movie. Colorado you know, Space was fucking mind blowing. So good. It took me six times, but I finally got through it. And I actually really enjoyed it. Six times, though. Six if was we, the magic charm, buddy. If we didn't have to hop back into this film, I'd ask you what the reasoning for that was. Is that, uh, looks like a Howard Stern, uh, 
Whack Packer driving that truck a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I can't use his name or I'll get in trouble. I mean, that happens. Blue's a big uh, color in this film. Yeah. The car was juxtaposes the fire. The fire, the beauty. Fire, fire, fire. Well, I mean, (laughs) when you got a movie that's literally like about fire, Mm -hmm. you you really want to. You really want to avoid like reds and oranges and yeah, you, like, you, got, you got enough of that going on already. That's true. Blue's very like country and homey too. Mm. Oh yeah, like especially light blue. Dark blue's very scary. You yeah. don't want to be around dark blue. Dark blue is very frightening. I'm terrified of myself. It, it creates, I think, an ominousness. I think I made up a word. Yeah. It's very ominous, dark blue. Ominous, dark blue. This is not an ominous, dark blue. This is a very non-threatening Easter Sunday pastel blue. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's light, friendly. Hey, how you doing? One of those type of blues. It's an approachable. It's an approachable blue. Approachable blue. Approachable. There's more blue on a shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Loving her food, getting down with it, choking on it. Burping on it. Virtue choking. She, she made him choke on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet she did. Oh. Usually got to pay <laughs> extra for that. Drew. Hey, is that Art Connie? I think it is. Yeah, he's in this. Yeah. I thought he was just a regular uh, towny person by the way he walked. Yeah, that and that, that looks like Louis Fletcher. So you got yeah, the honeymooners yeah. and one flu cuckoo that's right in one scene hey, right there. There you go. Medication time. <laughs> this dude was also in an officer and a gentleman as well, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. He, kills yes, he, himself, he kills himself off, right? He yes, he friends. does. Yeah. That was, uh, I remember that scene that as a youngster and going, ooh. Just like it reminded me of. Um, yeah, that shit was dark. Anybody ever see Heaven and Earth, the Oliver Stone movie? Yeah. I've known of it, but I've never seen it. There's, uh, that has a really fucking dark ending where, like,. Tommy Lee Jones strips down. He's like all fucked up from the war. I think he like strips down naked and either shoots himself or like shoots it out with the cops or something like that. At the end, I haven't seen it in like 20 years. Yeah, no. Oliver Stone's good for that. He likes bad endings. People, when he's dead, people will give him all the respect, but because they don't like his politics and some of the things he says sometimes, he's not getting it right now, the respect. He doesn't get any love. None. Even though, even though his stuff that's just social commentary fiction that has nothing to do with history is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, his body of work is pretty heavy when you think about it. When you start weighing it out and go, oh, wow, yeah, I forgot there was that, there was this. Very- I mean, if only for Natural Born Killers alone. Woo! Dune, big Natural Born Killers. JFK was big at his time. Um, you ever see, I think, Salvatore, his first movie? Yeah. James Woods. That's actually a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of good shit. Yeah, he's an intense filmmaker. 
I really like JFK. I thought that was just an amazing fucking movie. But I have seen his other stuff, but just, you know, few and far between. Whenever I think of him, another director that comes to mind, because I love just hearing him talk, are people like uh, um, Billy Friedkin or, um, you know, just kind of like that 1970s, you know, old school filmmaking, you know, where, you know, it's just they got to get the job done. And just hearing interviews with, you know, like an Oliver Stone or even like a Michael Mann, you know, it's just like, we got to do this right now. So it's just... Mm-hmm. Interviews, oh, yeah. I mean, they're just yeah. worth listening um, to. Just really propel you if you want to do whatever. Uh-huh. Right? Write something or just get off the fucking couch. Here comes the shop, Bill. Uh, this is the, the name of the secret government organization was the shop. It's a real mm-hmm. umbrella name was the Department of Scientific Intelligence. Oh, fire. Uh-huh. About, to get, about to get fucking hot up in here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Gonna cook some eggs. He's gonna have a meltdown. <laughs> uh, crazy. Very literal. Yeah. See what he melted the butter. Think of the ocean. Think of water. Word. I mean. I guess it was uh, the role of Charlie, what was between Drew Barrymore and the late Heather O'Rourke from like yes. Pol- yeah, Polter- Poltergeist. Uh, you know, she uh, they, that's a horrifying story. Uh, there's a lot of uh-huh. weird conspiracies that go with that that unfortunate ending. Fucking darkness. Could do a could do a whole podcast just exploring the production of Poltergeist and all the horrible shit that happened after. That's not a half bad idea. Darkness falls across the land. I mean, it's not a dead kids thing, but... No, but that's a good, real good concept. I mean, it's a good, an amazing concept to think of for just like a show, you know, to just dive into the production, you know, of all the strangeness, bizarre incidents, you know, I don't know. It's so sad, you know, with Heather's situation. I mean, you know, so many tragic things happened to so many folks on that production. But uh, mm-hmm. I have uh, friends that worked with Heather um, on part three. And she was just, she was really sick, unfortunately, then, you know. And uh sounds like it was sepsis, unfortunately, um, that took her life. But, you know, I just can't remember what the, source of the infection was but well the, the, the filthy rumor i always heard was that like she was like she had a build-up because things were like shoved up her backside like it was one of those things like f- from abuse type deal that's that's the, that's always the wave that i had caught from what i had heard and like it messed up her whole kind of like system you know what i mean that her internal organs were not great. Horrifying. In the big Illuminati picture, they say you got to sacrifice somebody equally as big on the come up. There it is. Drew Barrymore sacrificed Heather O'Rourke. <laughs> That's fucking dark, but also not surprising. You know what else? <laughs> Pete, Pete Davidson sacrificed Mac Miller to get to where he's at right now. 
Yeah, I heard that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Ooh, now she's getting angry. Yeah, she's big angry. The hair actually is going out, like, wider. Yeah. Hey, anyone got marshmallows? (laughs) I want to make some s'mores. Days like this, to be a stuntman back in the day, were horrifying. Where even if that shit burned through the retardant shit... And like it was on your back, you could, you almost could, you had to fucking tough it out and just ah, take it ah. That's an impressive yeah. body burn. Either way, mm. body burns are rough. Either they don't look good or they're too much. But that was a good looking body burn. Well, that's back when they soaked them in this stuff. They were like, we don't want to do this a bunch of times. We're gonna dump this over your head. So it happened to Kane Hodder, man. Yeah. Yeah, the Kane Hodder story is nuts. We suggest the book if anybody wants to hear the full story. He's got a documentary too, I believe. Yeah, there is a documentary. Yeah, to Helen Back, I think. It's, it's really good. When we did you think out- about it, this is probably like another like four million of the budget, just this scene alone, like setting these yeah. guys on fire. When we did the haunting of Alice D with Kane Hodder. At the end of it, he told the story about how he got burnt, and it was fucking gruesome. It was they practiced the stunt like near water leading up to it multiple times, and then they, when they were on set, there was no water around, and they were like, he was all done up, and uh, they didn't touch. Usually, they touch the fire, like that's the deal. But like the person was just so close to him that whew, caught, and then it got all burnt up, and that they. they they were in the middle, like nowhere. Uh, so it's, the story is horrifying. Sucks. And he did become one of the biggest pyro stuntmen. I mean, still to this day, oh. I think one of the most impressive pyro stunts is in Jason Part Seven when he gets lit in this, you know, the scene where the fire is coming at him. Yeah, you know, that's real. That's commonplace now with digital. But you know, to, to lights actually lights on the scene. I mean, then he was on fire, you know, like, you know, you look at some of these fire stunts, you know, it's really amazing what these stuntmen put themselves through. You get burned for real. You take that burn. And this, that last scene that just passed was like a whole stuntman barbecue. We got yeah. like, damn. There was definitely scars at the end of that day that lasted forever. Mental and physical. Ooh, it's true. Look at this guy. He's got mental fucking scars. He's done. No doubt. No doubt. Mortifying. Nice Jeep. You think that was a real them driving or that was a, a screen? That was an interesting take. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Mm. Now, in the, the alternate ending of Firestarter, she burns down the whole world and everybody dies. <laughs> That's Bruce Campbell comes out of a cave. Anyone around? She burns a fire so hot that she, the oxygen in the atmosphere catches and the whole world just becomes fire. There's that orange that we you were talking about, James. That yeah. Move. That was a bad move. You got enough orange in this movie with the people on fire. <laughs> I want to talk to your colorist right now. <laughs> he made a mistake. Get him on the phone, damn it. 
I'm very, I mean, I've said it on past episodes, but I'm very like conscious of color. It's, yeah. it's, it's a fine art when you, when you're, when you're filming to, to put, co- putting colors together. Nice little area. I wouldn't mind uh, spending a weekend or two there. Not too shabby. Yeah, you got a little girl that's a fire starter. Always smart to be near water. I think that's bright. That's smart. That's smart. That's safety. Well, the father has the ability as well, right? Well, he doesn't start fires. He's got the he's got the telekinesis. He's got like psychic. He's a skating. Shining. He he's got the shinning. No, <laughs> it's not quite the shining. He's got the shinning. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is a weird era for King, man. He had like psychics, undead pets, cannibalistic clowns. Yeah, he was. The eighties were a wild time as far as Stephen King's concerned. <laughs> Well, that's probably because of all the cocaine he did. Well, yeah, it's absolutely because of the cocaine. I mean, he topped it off with killer fucking cars. <laughs> <laughs> From outer space. Now I got the dickies in my head. Damn it. I don't know. Killer cars. When you are an alcoholic, car could be a killer for sure. Big time. More so than regular. That's true. That's true. That's symbolic. The fox behind the wheel can be metaphorical. Yeah. <laughs> Dark, anybody, but there is a metaphor. Anybody ever see the TV movie David? No. She knew what? The TV movie David from the nineties, I think it was early nineties. It's no. kind of like Firestarter a little bit. It's uh, very tragic. It's a very tragic, almost like lifetime movie, but fucking hard to the core. And it was based off of a real uh, news thing at the time. And uh, there was a father who kidnapped his kid, was going through like a divorce or whatever with the wife. And she, he kidnapped his kid and he uh, brought him all the way down to Florida. And uh, he told him he was going to take him to Disneyland. That was like the big you know, way to get him to smoothly go. And I guess. Oh he, shit! Yeah, no, I have heard this. I know what him, I know what happens. Yeah, yeah, like just to upset the mother, he put the kid in the hotel room and poured gas all over the kid and lit him on fire. And the kid didn't die, but he got like you know horribly disfigured forever. Unfortunately, I think, I think in, the, in, in the last like three years he passed away. So rest in peace. But that you know that that I, I remember seeing that super young and always just being fucking like t- like. Traumatized. That fucked with me. Yeah, that fucked with me. That was scary. It just sounds like, really, no, it sounds really cool. familiar. But yeah, yeah. it's got that vibe. Crazy. But yeah, yeah, it was made for TV. Yeah, yeah, called David. I know it was called mm-hmm. David. It was uh, <clears throat> very crazy. Well, one film I picked up because when we were when we when we realized we we're going to do this, and I still haven't even watched it. Um, with Brad Dourif, uh, directed by Toby Hooper, uh, Spontaneous, Spontaneous Combustion. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, happy birthday, Brad. Yeah, Brad. Yeah, it is his birthday today, isn't it? Happy birthday to the Dourif. The Dourif. Word. No, the Exorcist 3 connection with George C. Scott, Brad fucking Dourif. That's true. 
I don't Anyone have any Brad Dourif stories from conventions? No, not me. Uh, Hawk, didn't you meet Brad Dourif? I did meet him. I did get him a sign. Um, uh, I got him a sign, one of the uh, pictures from One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. Um, downside is I really don't have any memorable story. It was kind of like, uh, hey, nice to meet you, big fan. Um, point that uh, one in an autograph. He was like, all right, cool. And he signed it. And that was pretty much our entire interaction. It wasn't much more than that. Um, yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing about conventions is that, you know, sometimes you go there and, uh, you know, sometimes you have cool stories to leave with. Other times it's not a lot to say, really. When him and Fiona, when him and Fiona were both at Rock and Chalk, I didn't know who Fiona was. I was actually in the fucking vendors area. I walked up to this girl. I thought she was beautiful. And I just wanted to just introduce myself and just say hi. And she already knew very friendly and, you know, whatever. She went off and uh, go over towards the end of the convention because Brad is, I mean, a lot of people are usually tired, you know, at the end of the, by the end of the convention. And they go up to Brad and I say, everyone's probably talking to you about Chucky all weekend. I just got to say, I think Death Machine is one of the greatest movies in the world. And And I don't think that character gets enough love. And he smiled, but he just had this look of like he was tired. And then I just um, was like, okay, then I look over. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't realize that was that's his daughter who I was, you know, chatting with. So I'm like, okay. I just got the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I've never met Brad or his, wife, or his daughter, Fiona. But I, I give the I show them yeah. nothing but my best. You know what I mean? Sure. You know that every interior scene was shot uh, in a warehouse on a uh, built set. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, they were in North Carolina, so they'd be far as away from that Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Mm. Usually, how it goes down, though. You can't find the interior you want, so you make it. Yeah, plus also you have more control over a warehouse. I mean, if you have to, you know, rent out a house or something, you can always have that owner on the last day like, yeah, you know, I decide you're not using my house. I'm going to jump a little ahead to pervert you guys out a little bit here. Uh Um, In a TV interview, David Keith stated that in in the barn scene where he's dying, spoiler, uh, and Charlie has to cry. Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore had trouble bringing forth tears. She asked Keith if he could give her a spanking just before the cameras rolled so she could really cry, and Keith obliged. That's weird. Ew! The fact that Drew Barrymore is asking for a spanking is fucking wild. She was already on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> she probably already had sex for crying out loud. Yeah. Spank me, Daddy. Spank me. I wonder That's how awful he actually felt, just like slapping or something. He obliged. He, 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 he said he yes. Yeah, I know, but he might have said yes, but he's like, oh man. Any responsible adult not on cocaine would have been like, what? Exactly. <laughs> it's like one like, of those scenes uh, when she turns around and he pulls his pants down and she's like, no, I just want the spanking. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll make like, you cry, little girl. 
Bank Oh, that's dark. That's just, <laughs> oh, man. Jesus. That's a weird. I'm surprised they didn't scrub that off of fucking the trivia of IMDb. Well, that's something they probably didn't want to heavily promote, considering maybe uh, the so. age differentiation. You know, I mean, oh, and that's man. what reason. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. Like, take any bit. Well, I would never call this dude a big star, unfortunately. But take any actor out there that's leading in a film, and and you add that story to it nowadays, it ain't gonna fly like that. Mm-hmm. It'll be they like that. that Cancelled like, and. They had to. They're like, we had to burn him. We had to burn that actor immediately on set. We couldn't let him. Hey man, you can't. We couldn't let his poison spread. (laughs) Yes, he spanked Drew Barrymore, but we shot him in the head before he actually got off set, so it's fine. That's what. That's the kind of story you'd get this this day and age. Crazy. She's now asking him to spank her hard, like he spanked her mommy. That's, oh, you went too far, Hog. Hog, <laughs> uh, you a habitual line stepper. <laughs> line stepper. I That's still can't I... wrap my head around the fact that she needed to cry, so she asked to be spanked. Why is she saying that word? I feel so dirty now. <laughs> why? Why? Why does she immediately go to that? Like, why couldn't like she get yelled at? Like, <laughs> right? They can blow powder in their uh, their eyes. Talk to me like a talent agent. Like, trust me, you come on one of my you come on one of my sets and you say you can't cry. I promise you, in the next thirty seconds, you are going to be bawling your fucking eyes out. I'm going to find a way, and it's not going to be spanking you. (laughs) Oh come on! I was expecting that, man. Come on, James. Like me, I need to cry, James. I'm going to be nasty. No, that's why the worst things about yourself that you don't want to hear. I'm going to make you cry with words instead. So I'm going to break you down psychologically, kid. That's basically the idea. Yes. Yeah, that's what you are. Yeah, and I love you. And that's why I love you, James. (laughs) Thanks, but no hug. What we have is anti-fluffers. They literally just walk up to you and smack you in the fucking face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, that's like uh, a first date for me. Welcome to a five hundred eight production. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you can't cry? Yeah, okay. In the book. There's, there's no crying in baseball. In the film, we do whatever we want. In the book Creep Shows by Stephen King, he says that David Keith was the 14th choice. So that's pretty far down the list. That's, yeah. The long drop from Kurt Russell right there. <laughs> Kurt Russell was definitely number one, though. I think we can all agree that that was probably what was, was supposed to be going on. Now we have space explorers showing <laughs> up. Oh, I'm sorry. Those are just guys in hazmat suits. <laughs> I think in, those in are anti-fire suits. Anti-fire suits, yeah. Yeah, they're flame retardant suits. They, they came prepared. Suppose, yeah, suppose uh, all except Josie Scott. Josie Scott is so cool that he's not this. He's impervious. Yes, he's impervious Dude, to Drew Barrymore. Dude, that's Ebenezer Scrooge. And and fucking George Patton, like he's not afraid of shit. <laughs> That's D. Trump and the COVID crew. Right? It's almost a little bit of Ernest Borgnine in there too that he's carrying. Uh, yeah, someone's got to carry this movie. I'm gonna be the badass old man. Her head. Well, he's the bad guy. I mean, oh, yeah, he's got to be. He's got. He's got to be the badass because he's. he's the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's just great. It's a legendary career. I mean, you know. So. Decades of you know filmmaking under his belt. Now, yeah, 
I think you're right. I think it was like 85 to like up till his passing. He just was, I mean, he just wanted work. And, you know, an he actor. He didn't works. give a fuck anymore. Yeah. And I applaud him because he took some wild shit at the end. And I, I think he did. Oh, gee, oh, he did. I mean, oh. he, made, he made The Exorcist 3 amazing. Well, actually, you gotta say, I, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it could be. Yes, he was Hawk. He what was were you okay. the I saw, I, I saw this movie, uh, the um, Murders at the Rue Morgue with oh, George C. Yeah. Scott. Well, okay, yeah. with a very young Val Kilmer, and it was so funny because the movie itself was so awful, but George C. Scott was awesome in it. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it it was so painful watching, but it was great whenever he was on set. Yeah, actor, I mean, yeah. Fun fact for everybody: actor Drew Snyder got paid an additional four hundred dollars for the scene when he gets his arm set on fire. So that's what the going rate for putting yourself yourself in danger was. Hey, I'd be going for at least a cool mill, personally. If I'm we, getting myself we, set, we on Alex, you'd light yourself on fire for free. Who you kidding? <laughs> Yeah, we pay far less for personal endangerment. Hawk's asking for the George C. Scott special race. Heck yeah. I mean, come on. uh, I don't want to ruin this perfectly physique right here. This is my money making, my face. I'm not risking that for shit. National treasure right there we're looking at. Heck yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Imagine a future where Hawk's all burnt up with no hair and fucking disfigured from a a, a stunt from a fifty cent movie gone wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Blew up uh, his fucking cheek. No, 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 no. You're a sweet He's, talker, yeah. Ah, yeah, ah. No. His his skin, he he's completely intact, except every follicle of hair in his body has fallen out from some weird chemical reaction. <laughs> he's literally just bald and shiny. I like that. <laughs> That works like Roger Rabbit. Mr. Clean, oh, yeah. Mr. Mr. Clean. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He looks like the judge from Roger Rabbit, Jesse. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. He's got judge that going dude. on. He pulls off the mask and it's just like perfectly shiny chrome. When I killed your brother, I talked like this. <laughs> Christopher Wood. Oh, uh, Martin Sheen with, uh, with uh, what, milk and cookies? Coming for to winter over, yeah. That's how it works. Fun fact in this story is uh, she had trouble swallowing the cookie, so she asked Martin Sheen if it, oh, <laughs> uh, you know, no, 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 that's just speculation. Yeah. But, uh, Please tell me about this your son with tiger blood. <laughs> this, is, this is gross. I feel dirty. <laughs> we will all be showering after this podcast. Generally, well, when dirty, spanking dirty. comes up, I'm pretty down, but this is like, yeah, this is weird. I mean, this already feels like I'm watching like a Nazi exploitation film. I need a shower after this. <laughs> this is how I feel like if I had actually watched Werewolf Women of the SS. Like, this is where I'd be. Or Ilsa. If I was watching Ilsa, that's what I'm thinking of while this recording. There's too much of that S word. Don't bring it up. What would that be? Would that be spanking? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's Bank Billy. I think Jesse's <laughs> enjoying this way too much. I am. I am. Mmm, Spanks. 
Doc, I'm doing this as hard as I can. This is for you. I mean, it's <laughs> not a whole brain power, Billy. It's uh, no grandma's femur, but, you know. Joel Silver was so impressed. With I feel like Sheen is saying, you know, I tell you, little girl, you got to vote for me in this next election. <laughs> Come on. That's too far. <laughs> Joel Silver was so impressed with the work of the director that he hired him for uh, Commando after doing this. I love Commando, and that movie oh, is a lot of what, shit. What, you want him to go great. Commando? <laughs> Jim. I'll go Commando. Ready? <laughs> Woohoo! James, man, hey. you are a true <laughs> I already Ray am Commando. <laughs> Some Ray Dong Chong for you. Fucking Ray Dong Chong with a rocket launcher, no less. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He has her locked up. It's fun. He used the key card. It's getting gross. It's just gross now. Gross. <laughs> Supposedly, there was a John Carpenter version of the script that they discarded. I'd love to read that. I wonder if you can find it online. Of course they discarded it. Why would they want something good? I think they just kept it and said they discarded it. There's, I'd love to read a lot of those old scripts that you know that never worked out or situation like this where Carpenter there was a site that was up um, uh-huh. I'm not sure if it's still around it, it, I'm, that's where I read the uh, early draft of Gremlins and they also had the early draft of uh, Night Skies uh, yeah, that turned into E.T. Uh, e. the John Sales script um, and I think Pol- I think Poltergeist not Poltergeist um, Firestarter I believe was on that list I didn't read it but I'll have to do some digging and see if I can find that fucking site. But this was close to 10 years ago. But it was pretty cool. I loved reading old, you know, scripts that might have been rejected. Because, you know, it's amazing how many scripts did they go through pre-production into production where even, you know, how much things change. Oh, yeah. The the initial script. And it's interesting because, you know, they'll have the original writer write it then some of these Hollywood movies can have as many as like 12, 15 other writers. And then at the end, they bring the guy, you know, the guy who came onto it, bring him back. So it's amazing how many writers you can have on one production, especially by Hollywood standards. Oh, it's, it's, it's wild. As a writer myself, I, I, I mean, just self editing, I'll go through six drafts at least. Yeah before before something sees production um and that's just self that's just self-editing that's not even stuff like like there's you know that's that's before it even becomes a a, a shooting script like that's spec script i'll have six drafts before it even goes to other people to to read you know what i mean or even like if the person has the inception comes up with it whatever comes up with the treatment, the synopsis or the, whatever the hybrid is, I forget what they call it. And then, you know, actually going to the writing process and, you know, if you can break it down, then that's great. Then it becomes a little easier to write than just completely free flowing it. But, you know, I mean, I always thought it'd be fascinating if they made a documentary just on the development hell of Freddy versus Jason because of all the different writers that have come into the in and out of that series. I mean, 
there was like 25 Freddy vs. Jason scripts. I know, and I think that's fascinating. Oh my god. Yeah. For sure. sure. <laughs> Made a cameo. Sure. It's all good in the hood. G. Now. Mind schooler, the old school. That's the guy that killed Tupac, I think, in that lab coat. <laughs> That's what he I looks like that. with his bow tie or Biggie. Big Biggie, they killed Biggie Pac. Biggie Pac died. That's what happened. I think John Carpenter was going to direct a film about Biggie and Pac at one point. I'd be happy to see that. I think everybody would be. We'd finally figure out the case. We've got JC involved. Problem solved. Should kill them both, but that's that's just what I think. I think the police killed Tupac, and then a crazy obsessed person killed Biggie. Someone obsessed with Tupac, who probably worked for Death Row. I mean, it's logical. One of the cronies, one of the people that just hung out and smoked blunts all day, and now they're like, now they don't have blunts to smoke, so they needed someone to kill. <laughs> I know that life. Yeah. <laughs> and Garrett used to be runs by being chased by Conan's balloon. Martin Sheen was going to be in it. It was going to be called Tupacalypse now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh-oh, he's touching his head again. Uh-oh. You know what that means? Don't touch the head. He's making Billy Coin hair. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, dude. Very Incredible Hulk-like. You you don't like me when I think too hard. <laughs> oh man, I was seeing like Billy and the screen. Like I have those kind of like side by side on my Zoom, and they they were like spitting image. <laughs> Your hair might have psychic I'm powers, like, Billy. I'm actually like tensing up, so I'm like internally shaking. While I'm doing this, so everything is shaking. So it's like I imagine when they're acting, they're like, "Okay, look intensely." It's like, well, everything is shaking if I look intensely. Exactly. Like, Just look intensely. That's the point, man. You got to go like full hypertensive to like get back before. Hey, you never go full retard. (laughs) But you almost feel like you are. You can if you just uh, when you start shaking, you start feeling it. You're in the scene. Then they say cut. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if all these actors are like, I have the biggest headache in the world from just doing that scene. Yeah, dedication though. That's the dedication they have. Yeah, it's the concentration and the channeling, and you know, just the. I'm gonna give myself the fucking migraine to get this done. I know. I need five shots of Imatrex for today. How many scenes am I shooting? Eighteen. I need eighteen shots of Imatrex then. (laughs) Woo! That's not counting takes. No, that's just getting through with the scenes. With Don, you don't see with, Scott with an eye patch. That eye patch going crazy. I want to see Alex talking with an eye patch <laughs> in a movie. I'll do that Talk just for life. you, Billy. With a shaved head. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I've always, I've always wished like, like that, that George C. Scott with the long hair and the eye patch. Like, why didn't he ever play, play a pirate? He should have played a pirate. You know what? He's almost, I mean, it, the funny thing is, considering it's Mark Lester, it's almost like a slight variation of, like, the character with Stacey Keach from Class of 1999, because he has that white yeah. paper, you yeah. know? And, 
but he was way more, Stacey Keats was way more eccentric where he had like those contact lenses. Well, I was but, about to say, like, he had the crazy fucking eyes. Like, yeah. Uh, it's not yeah. quite the same, but. No, uh, but it's just that, that, I don't know. I mean, he's good at creating characters or whatever. I mean, I don't know if that was a carpenter thing that was already into it or, or how much input Lester had once he came in from a creative standpoint, if he could even have any right. by that time, or if he was just like, all right, I'm here for the job. Oh, yeah. Hello, I'm George C. Scott. You should be on a t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> there it is. I'm going to show you something, kid. Got that blue <laughs> fucking stretchy on, doing it big. I used to have one of them as a kid when I was doing my gymnastics. Leotard? Yeah. I rocked the leotard all the time. <laughs> Bring me a brand new sky in a grenade launcher. You know, to go with uh, what you were saying about the eye patch, man, the eye patch is, if you got the right look, it'll look good. But if you don't got the right look, you might as well just let your fucking wound, wound show. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's working for George C. Scott. Though. Oh, it's working for George, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He should be a pirate. He should be out on the sea pillaging. You know that the last they, they, the last Ernest movie was supposed to be Ernest the Pirate, and yeah. uh, they shot a lot of footage for it, but it'll never come out. But yeah, he played a pirate. Rest in peace. The great Jim Varney. The great, yeah. Who never made it into a Stephen King movie, unfortunately. He did not. He could have been the the fucking in Graveyard Shift. The boss, the dickhead boss, that could have been Jim Varney. I would have, I would have paid money to see that. Who really pushes the accent? Mm-hmm. Throughout all the Stephen oh, King movies, there's like <clears throat> a handful of actors that really push that accent that you can kind of. You know, I need a and I can do the, on, do the voice. This, this is brought to you by diabetes. <laughs> the uh, like <laughs> monster Herman, the Herman Munster, like really pushes it. The dude from Graveyard Shift really pushes it. I think Ron Perlman really Sometimes dead is better. I can't believe they changed that for the reboot, how they changed it. Yeah, that was How stupid is that? Wait, what'd they change it to? Uh, Instead of sometimes dead is better, it was like... He's probably just saying it the way he was. And I like what's his name? Fucking Lithgow. Oh, John Lithgow. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of the 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 other dude. Yeah, but Lithgow has my respect. At least he did. <laughs> nah, I still I love. I love. I mean, Fred Gwynn just. You know, I love that character. You Let's don't want to go on that route. That route, Sebastian Amitai. That's coming soon. I don't. I don't actually say that's my impersonation of him. I say that's my impersonation of Trey Parker doing this because yeah. I love him. I love South Park, and I love when they're like, oh, you don't want to go that route, that, or you don't want to go to that mountain. That's where they slaughtered, basically, 27 casualties, you know, the wall. <laughs> you know, it's like, look, I better got to ski down the K-12. Yeah. Yeah. If you do that to your hair, Bill, you should wear the eye patch, too. If you, like, fluff it out and color it. Yeah. I bet you that gimmick will get you work. I guarantee it, dude. Guarantee it. Like, if you, like, were on set 
as this like hair is going to get me paid and get me laid. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just like the salt, you'd just be like this like weird salt of the earth guy with the patch. It's like <laughs> I've seen some shit. Let me tell you that that yeah that is Bill. Yeah, that's a vibe. Person when he eats another man's skull, and you see the intensity in his eyes, the desperation. That's it. That's it. That's your angle. Ed O'Neill in Wayne's World. That's that, Stan Makita's Donuts. That guy. That is your angle from now on. I'm telling you. That's your gimmick. <laughs> Tell you know what it's like when you basically choke someone else's child and you get told that you shouldn't do that. Not on this side. I learned the hard way. Yeah. Why is it? About it? When a man stabs another man to death in war, <laughs> he's a hero. But you stab another man to death in the heat of passion. It's murder. <laughs> yeah. I'll do some more thinking. I'll get an eye patch and I'll improvise on the next show. All right, cool. Now we need to get an eye patch. What the hell am I doing to myself? Whatever. The 99 cents on eBay. I'll wear an eye patch on the next show. All right. Go to like eye party or something. Yeah, eye party. Guys. Seriously, you, you get one for like a dollar. Yeah, that's I all party with the EYE. That's how we do it. I party, kid. Maybe it's getting too late. Look at the way he's carrying it. That's very unprofessional. Yeah, he's Makes too much uncomfortable. Bring it into the bed. I drop it by accident. He starts unbuttoning his pants. He goes, oh, shit. I forgot. I know the camera's rolling. <laughs> It's like that new Borat movie where they caught that guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That guy is um Yeah. One eyed snake. Captain America there. <laughs> um Giuliani. Yeah. yeah. The guy who saved us from terrorism. Oh the the melting man. <laughs> huh? The Giuliani, melting the melting man. Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. The, oh, that they call him the melting man? Yeah, especially when he did that interview. I remember you know, he was his, like, he was like, that guy is running on that. He looked like it was ridiculous. I mean, oh, Jesus Christ. He, was, he wasn't this crazy 20. He wasn't that crazy 20 years ago. Maybe he was. Show. He just uh, was better at keeping it under wraps. Rudy Giuliani orchestrated 9 11. Don't tell anybody. All right, so, yeah, they're, they're messing with their head now. Scatman Crothers was going to play this dude's part. He's the scat man. I like I like my scat man Crothers as Dick Halloran. We can, yeah. we can. I'm glad that didn't happen. The Shining. No, no, no. That that's the Shining. What we have going on here with fucking it's telepathic mullet. That that's the Shining. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the, the differentiation between the two. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where else to call it. Like, it, it definitely feels like The Shining, but it's not quite as good. So, The Shin. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. I love the buffed out chest that they always do. That's how you know they're real men. <laughs> right. in, a, in a picture, that's how you know a man's a real man in a picture. It's all in, yeah. it's all in, their, it's all in their posture. It's, it's puffing out the chest so that you ignore the fact that they have no dick. Yeah, <laughs> but it proves that they have double deep breasts, though. Yes, that's not pectoral muscles at all. That is all fluid. 
Memory, if you will. You think that reboot would be any good? No. Oh. Oh, no. Thanks for the memories. They got a lot they can do with the fire and CGI, but I don't think it'll be worthwhile. I mean, Zach Efron's come a long way. I actually appreciate Zach Efron nowadays. Yeah, no, he's done some really cool stuff, but I don't even think that the F could save this. I just, I don't. No. I gotta say, the one thing I find hilarious in the trailer was when I think it's the father uh, turns to uh, someone's like, she can be a superhero. And I'm like, oh, come on, dude. That is. Really, you shoehorned that in? <laughs> Come on! Yeah, no, that's that was like the that was the first thing that really threw me off was that line. And can we just acknowledge the fact that Drew Barrymore's hair is actually just flowing out oh, of the sides of her head at this point? Turn the fan on high. Like she's <laughs> all she's all the way angry now. Like I believe that was one of the VHS art cover artworks. I think was her hair up like that. Well, that's what I remember the most uh, for the visually is her with the her hair blowing. I mean, yeah, I, that was like on the covers of tapes. That was in interviews. That was a big screenshot they would always use. I'm pretty sure that's on the cover of the Screen Factory Blue too. It's how was that? Uh, how was that disc? <laughs> all right. What about for bonus features? Is there much? And probably a commentary, I, I would imagine. No, I mean, I mean, it's got it's got the pretty like standard couple of extras in here and there. There's a big interview with Lester. I believe there's an interview with David Keith. Uh, there's a few little cool things. There's a making of. Um, it's not. It's definitely not like top tier screen, yeah. but it, it's in there. It's got some cool things. You're a fan of the movie. It's definitely worth picking up. I think it's all like twenty bucks. Mm. <laughs> but it's it's no like Friday Thirteenth box set. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 like, it's, uh, it's pretty okay. Return of the Living Dead. I can't go oh. over what that's going for now. Yeah, that one's huge. It's it's wicked expensive. Yeah. Well, it's it's wicked expensive with the slip cover. If you if you just have the regular case with a slip cover, you're you're up fuck river. You, when, when did we become so addicted to slip covers? Have when we they always- started making them. Mm. Mm. The minute the minute they put a slip cover on a Blu-ray or a D, or I should say a DVD, that was it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who made it made that functional choice. To say, hey, we're going to put this cover on the DVD to protect the case that's protecting the DVD. I mean, if you think about it, it's the most ludicrous concept on the face of the planet. But no, the second that they did it, yeah, that was it. It was all over. And the second that they, whatever the artwork is, you know, could be different from the inside. One thing that amazes me is companies like um, Vinegar Syndrome, you know, especially like what they charge, like with slip covers after the fact, they've, you know, first. Oh, yeah, it's vile. It's vile. But yeah, like Return of the Living Dead, that's like easily 150 bucks with the slip. I mean, I have it, so I don't give a fuck, but still, it's <laughs> fucking expensive. <laughs> no, I was eyeballing it actually about a few months ago, and I was shocked when I the minimum I could find was for 125 Yeah, man. Yeah. And I mean, even without a slip, it'll go like 70, 80 bucks. Oh, yeah. It's a great release, though. Oh, it is. You know what I mean, if it's, uh, yeah. if it's if it's something, if you're a Scream Factory collector, I would say it's an essential. 
I am a Scream Factory collector and a Vinegar Syndrome collector, but I, I kind of pull back. I know Hawkman's. I, I can't go into debt because of freaking Blu-rays. <laughs> oh, there's a place called Bull Moose that uh, they used to have a little bin where they give you free shit, and I remember yeah. I found a bunch of slip covers in there. I only bring it up because yeah, you used to sell them. People would fucking buy them on eBay just to have. Oh them. fuck yeah, yeah, they still do. I think there's a. I think the horror audience has kind of taken a weird turn into a um, swap meet. It's like it, it, I don't know. It's, it's hard like, to come to words for that. That are nice. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, what no, it's hard not to say it in a positive way. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, but it's um, yeah. Buy and trade, trade and sell like a swap. So much of it, yeah, and the prices go up and down, and it's like a clout. It's almost like clout chasing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, people are willing to pay, like especially like if a movie is coming out that's a reissue, or you know, they, then they have the discs and soup them up. I mean, you know, it's funny because even like with some TV stuff or feature film stuff, there's a remake inevitably. They usually will do the original, and they might get, you know, whatever. Say if it's a company like back then, Anchor Bay, they might do a special edition, or then, you know, Shell Factory, or, you know, if they can get the rights to the original. Yeah. I think it's funny how even Reanimator just reverted back to uh, Charlie Band. Oh, really? Yeah. Because Arrow had the rights, they were the last ones who had the rights. And then, Those uh, hour releases are amazing. Though. Oh, they're amazing! Absolutely, I love that. I love the I love the additions that they did. All, like, all, all three of them were fucking top notch. Yeah. They they were they were once they were Green some of my Mirror, favorite. That right, even Society. I think Society looks amazing. Society was fantastic. That cover is so fucking cool. I love I love cool the art. Cover, yeah. yeah, but no, no. Matt's got Matt's got a point. And I mean, it does bleed over into like King stuff too. Like, first edition Stephen King books are obnoxiously expensive. Yeah. On eBay or anywhere. And I do think that a little bit of that pop culture. Let's, let's just face it like, being a geek's cool now. Right. It's money. Right? It's a business now. It's a business. And if you're a nerd and you want nerdy shit like i mean some of us have been this way supply and demand (laughs) yeah some of some of us some of us have been nerds since we were very young so we we have our hands on a lot of acquisitions that some people now would pay a lot of money for and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i i just know that it's i think it's a double-edged sword and i agree with you on that yeah, it's 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 something. Like I, I've had people offer me exorbitant sums of money for some of the things in my collection, and I'm just like, I don't think I can let that go. I've had it since I was five. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh oh. Uh huh. Yeah. It's getting real now. Yeah. We're almost at the climax. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, I know. This movie Thank this movie really God. is a stanker. This movie really is a 
This the really is hanging with you guys right here is the most redeeming quality <laughs> of this event. And I am enjoying the movie, but I'm enjoying talking to you guys. It looks like a fucking doll, like a little doll right there. Yeah, that's that's fucked up. And then you throw in the spanking thing and mm, Hi, I'm talking Tina and I don't like you very much. Dirty <laughs> pro body, pro body. I don't like that. Dirty pro man. body? Look at the hair. Pro Look, body. see that's what I'm saying? It's yeah. like it's like all the way up yeah. here now. Yeah. The fans on high. Yeah. yeah. All right. Zoom in. Uh, I think all of her power is in her hair. <laughs> just like Billy. Just like Billy. Wind power. Oh. Wind power, baby. That's what we're all going for. <laughs> Billy's a fire B- B- Billy's a fire starter. He had him, had him I'm also a heartbreaker too, I hear. Yeah. He breaks my heart all the time. <laughs> I rip your heart out of your fucking chest and watch. Oh shit. Stab a pencil right through it right before you die. I'm guess I'm guessing that's not all he broke, but you know. Oh, I break a lot. I'm a big mm-hmm. flux. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Back together. Now we got a full inferno going on. And the hair still looks fabulous, Drew. Oh, yeah. Sizzle up her hair. It does look really good. There's a lot. Like- hot setup, eh? Yeah. yeah, it's like the only... The, the, Honestly, like this last like twenty minutes of the fifteen minutes of the movie are like the only thing that's worth watching in the whole fucking shebang. She just goes absolutely fucking berserk. You know, she's very Carrie like. Does anybody ever like bring that? I up? noticed that earlier. That yeah, it's like well, it's some of those the Palma type of shots with the the close ups. I mean, it's not like they're using diop well, so no. many diopters, if any at all. But you it's know. just the wild. It's just like the characters in Early King, man. Like he had sure. a lot of psychic shit going on. The Shining, Firestarter, Carrie, like right. like there there was there was something. I don't know what his metaphor was, but he was really exploring like. Metaphysics in the the metaphysics, brain, yeah. yeah. But while toggling in like classic monster stories, like yeah. Salem's Lot, Cycle of the Werewolf, of Pet Cemetery. Because you even say Pet Cemetery, it's like cryptozoology. It's based on the Wendigo zombies. Like, wasn't Sleepwalkers like that too? Yeah, that's much much later, Jesse. But you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Sleepwalkers was kind of like his second stab at the vampire. Dude, I hated cats. Yeah. Well, it even says it in the beginning of the movie that it was like the basis of the vampire legend, quote unquote. Ah. Uh, yeah. What cats? No, sleepwalkers. <laughs> yes, the musical. Yeah. Well, that movie was a horror show for a completely different set of reasons. Someone um, redid it with cat butts, and it's beautiful. Well, that's yeah, different. I heard about. That. I'd rather watch that. I'd rather watch that. But I really don't want to see Judy Dench as uh, as a furry with the cat butt, and I love <laughs> Judy Dench. I'm okay well, with I'm okay with it because that movie was terrible, <laughs> like nightmare inducing, terrible, that's unintentional Taylor, nightmare. Taylor Swift one, right? Yeah, that's the remake. Yeah, there's a dude in the podcast community that fucking is like 50 years old and obsessed with Taylor Swift. What kind of world are we living in? <laughs> I mean, there's probably a whole other set of issues 
going on not on the podcast when he's talking about Taylor Swift, but that's a different story. His Facebook pictures of Taylor Swift and stuff. Oh, that's gross. I feel bad for him when I see that. I feel like I should donate to a cause or something. (laughs) That's fucking guy, dude. That's very strange. It's a scary... 50? uh, 50? You said he's 50. I think he's even over 50. I was being kind. Okay, that's weird. It's not as weird as the end of this movie, because the end of this movie is pretty fucking weird. Yeah. But, but yeah. Art Carney said he doesn't approve of Taylor Swift photos as your Facebook page. It's fair. Art Carney's been dead for, what, 40 years? Like, Give right after take. he made this movie, killed himself. Was <laughs> it Art Carney? Um, <laughs> wasn't he on Batman? The 1966? I, I forget who the hell he was, but I thought... Um, who, Art Carney? I thought Art Carney was on. Art Carney is uh, a great name for a Batman villain. No, but he, I, th- I think, I don't know if he was a Batman villain, but Let me see. I believe he's, he's ancient. He's I know that. I should be putting respect on his name. I know that before I even dive in deep. Uh, he's got a, a, a luxurious career. Yeah, there you go. He was in Last Action Hero, which is luxurious as it gets. You know what I mean? Uh, Harry and Tonto. That's probably one of his bigger deals from 74. Going in style, 1979. Yeah. Uh, 2007, he was still... Oh, no, 2003, he died out. In Connecticut, he was close to us at age 85. Very sad. He burned to death. Crazy. What an odd coincidence. He was doing, he was smoking coke like Richard Pryor and fucking burnt <laughs> up. <laughs> this happens in your free base, man. Him and the dude. Oh, man. Him and the, him and the guy that owned the theater and uh, fucking last action hero of free base and coke together and one of them died. Then Tom Newton walks in. They made an Uncle Buck TV show. Mm-hmm. They did? Yeah, 1990. I had no idea. Yeah, it only made for like, a, like, I think a, a few, I don't even know if it was one season or it's made like a six uh, episode pilot or something, but yeah. Looks like they, they got one, looks like they got one episode out of it, Bill. And they had, they had to pull the plug. It was gushing too much money they had to pull the plug immediately. Yeah, it's a, a wild world, dude, for Art Carney. Great name. You can never take away his name and how great it is. Art Carney, man. That's just legendary. It's a catchy name. There's no arguing that. Why is he in a kung fu outfit? What's going on here? This guy's doing karate. So what I'm saying, dude. The end of the end stretch of this movie is just fucking weird. He's getting out of rehab for alcoholism. <laughs> it was a rough. He winter. found his inner kung fu. It was a rough winter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. technically, that technically that would be a Japanese karate gi. That wouldn't be a kung fu robe. Fair enough. But, but same thing. That's not a bathrobe. That's very fucking clearly a gi. Yeah. Like he looks like Ryu from Street Fighter with better hair. Yep. <laughs> oh shit! Turned his pet into a fucking snake. Gotta get bloody nose. Because that's, that's what happens when you use psychic powers. Your nose bleeds. 
I'm also convinced that Stranger Things is actually just uh, the retelling of scanners, but uh, actually the federal government that creates scanners. There's a lot of nosebleed going on in this movie I heard behind the scenes. Well, I mean, like, you know, it's interesting, Coink. Because you brought up fucking oh, there was a lot of nosebleeds going on behind the scenes yeah. of Firestar. Yeah, but King sure. got the, the sniffles, kid. But but I mean, like King was a huge influence on the Duffer Brothers. For oh, absolutely, things. absolutely. And but this kind of like Firestarter, the difference between like Firestarter Carry the Shining, like each one of those stories has like a different backbone to it. Carrie is very much like the story of high school and how being bullied sucks and mm. the shining is very much about like the dysfunctions of family. This one like is probably the closest to like something like stranger things where it's like dipping into like that government yeah. pool, like the MK ultra gone wrong kind of shit that stranger things is really based on, yeah. you know? So I think like, that's an interesting allegory that you bring up stranger things and kind of like connects to Firestarter in that way. Cause it's got a very, similar tone well i can't wait for the new season i mean i think it's finally coming out at some point later this year they say i thought it was may it starts yeah because I, I mean i remember i know they postponed it for well, of course you know uh, the rona but you know i think it's officially finally you know i'm just glad it's coming out i love david harbour and i can't get over how fast all these kids are growing up now. yeah i was about to say aren't the kids like 30 and like have kids kids of their own now and yeah sure. they're probably they're probably closing in on their 20s for christ's sakes they're probably like you know seven eight years old when they started the show i mean so that's what i'm saying like now now it's like they're are they kids like how are they going to explain no that? i mean you know i mean finn carter has his band from what i hear and Millie Bobby Brown is becoming a name, and you know she's going from very attractive little girl and growing up into a very attractive woman. And who knows? I have a feeling one of these kids is going to be winning an award within the next five years. At least one of the kids from Stranger Things, because they're all solid performers. Well, I mean, they're going to have to do a little better than Godzilla and Ghostbusters. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I could see. I think it's in the cards. I don't think they'd give any of the kid the kids from Stranger Things. Maybe the girl if she did something very dramatic, but I don't think they'd give any of those kids. Are you talking about an Academy Award? Yeah, I, I think Millie's the best bet. I think Millie's going to be doing something within the next five She'll to ten years. Break. I think she's going to be one of the biggest names at some, she, some, yeah. at some point. When she tries to break the mold of Stranger Things when it's wrapped. If she gets the right film behind her, she could might be able to do it, and I could see her get nominated for that. Well. I just hope she doesn't Anna Pack win it and fucking win an Academy Award at a young age and then end up going on to do seven seasons of True Blood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, that was a big deal for her, even though, you know, if you even if James don't like it, there was still a big audience out there. Oh, no, I loved the first six seasons of True Blood. I just, I just mean, like, you win an Academy Award, then you go do, TV. then you go do vampire porn. They win awards for True Blood? Was that, they won was some that? Emmys. I know yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, they always win some, some stuff. True Blood. I watched some True Blood back in the day. I mean, it wasn't a bad show. It was just schlocky. You ever buy the the actual True Blood drink that FYE sold? Fuck no. I've had the FYE True Blood. It just, it just looked I'm like... very ashamed a, to say that, too. Yeah. It just looks like sugary <laughs> motor oil. That's kind of what it was, yeah. Makes sense. 
It, it, yeah, it looks like polyurethane. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm very ashamed to have had that drink. Bill, you ever do the, the True Blood drink? Well, from someone that works at FYE, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it really, I mean, it didn't sell that much, but um, I don't know. I bet it sold. I that moves pretty good, actually. I remember that moving pretty good because that was right at the peak. Is Alex sleeping? Yeah, he is. Yeah, Alex. <laughs> Alex. taking a nice nap over there while we're working. We got to do it all over again because you fell asleep. What the fuck? Yeah, back in line. Can you fucking blame him? Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, I've had a long week. I'm sorry. All right, buddy. No, seriously, can you fucking blame him though? Like, I think that's the best testament to Firestarter in, in a nutshell as a film. Yeah. Hey, hey, if anyone has insomnia, you can watch it. It'll put you to sleep. Uh oh. It's just fucking a movie America. where nothing fucking happens. I'm trying to will the movie for the credits already. Yeah. <laughs> the credits. Crazy. I shouldn't say that. That's just me. I'm sorry. I'm a dead kid of dairy. We do love Stephen King. Look, we can love Stephen King, but at the same time, like, we need real needs to recognize real. And when they don't do that great of a job, yeah, we have a civic duty to let the people know. Yes, we do. And I can't wait for Silver Bullet and Maximum Overdrive. Oh, heck They're yeah. Coming. I love Silver Bullet. I don't care. Me too. One of my favorites. I love Maximum Overdrive. I also yeah. love Maximum Overdrive, so. For all the wrong reasons, though. <laughs> I think at some point, like, leading up to the episode, we're just going to mention, at least at one point, how much we love Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> it's like, yes, we're finally here. Because it's Peak King. Peak King. Like Peak King Duck. <laughs> it's fully King. You can't get any more King than King directing something. Seriously. Else. He wrote it. He directed it. Pretty sure he has a cameo at some point. Oh, in the beginning, yeah. this machine just called me an asshole. That's I always wanted a killer vending machine. I wanted to put a killer vending machine on my school so bad. Just whipping cans of kids. It's rough. Yeah, when you think about that movie, it's really rough. They kill kids. It's, it's, it's uh-oh, what the fuck is about? It's about to One, go down. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, oh, no, this, if I'm not mistaken, oh, no. this is this is where it all goes down. Atomic oh, yeah. bomb type shit. This is the barn. This is it, yeah. Everything's gonna go down. I put a fucking hurt on this dude. We're now, now we're now we're stealing Leprechaun before Leprechaun. We're in the barn. Our ending's in the barn. Get some Friday the thirteenth in yeah. Yeah. But, Jason's Jason's hiding up top somewhere. Smile and you can't wait to kill him. He, he's, he's, so, he's so jealous because George C. Scott's here. He's like, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to watch. This is a feature film debut of Heather Locklear, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. She played the mom. Pre-mom's yeah. place. That's right. She what year was this? This film? Yeah, 80... 84, yeah, I think. We're in, the, we're in the year 1984. Okay. So I think right after this, she probably did Return of Swamp Thing, I take it. Heather Locklear, probably, yeah. Yeah. No, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing one was like eighty eight. No, no, the sequel, the Jim Wynorski one, because that was early. Another lock there in that one, not the first Swamp Thing. 
Oh. She's in the return of Swamp Thing. I remember Drew Barrymore is about to get pissed. Oh, yeah. You think she was Don't a piss off little that? Drew Barrymore. She's going to turn <laughs> you into Scott and... Such an instigator. I love George C. Is such an instigator. I love to see footage of like, her arguing with George C. Scott, but like cursing each other out. Because I'm sure she was swearing and having, you know, ego issues back in the day. She was having a moment. You motherfucker! Who pissed in my champagne? I know it was you, George. <laughs> By this age, I assume drinking wine, if not harder, alcohol, and probably smoking weeds. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she popped a pill or two. And she's what? what how old do you think she is? Oh, what are you young? 13? Garland and Megan. Yeah, 12, 13. Yeah. No, I don't even think she hit that yet. Like, 10, no? 10 11. Maybe. Bills for dinner. I think. Yeah, we were talking about 13 came up earlier. We were talking about it, but I think we were talking about when she got into drugs. <laughs> Lucky number 13. This is like... Oh, this... Look at this guy. He's really focused, though. Yeah, he is. He's like a deadbeat dad. And the the mother's like, you need to focus on getting a job. And he goes, ah! <laughs> Get a and job. He, he never ball. gets the job. Oh, she was 11 in this movie. Really? Yep. Even she was better born in 1973. She was born in 73? Yeah. She's 10 years older than myself. That makes me feel good. <laughs> I still have time to get that whole Oh, career. he shot Martin Sheen. That's what happens. He took that bump for real, probably, too. <laughs> he, I thought he shot Joe Westerbess. This is, pop, this, is a, this is a This is a post-apocalypse now, Martin Sheen. So he was just wearing a vest, and he was like, slug me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turning into Paul Servino and the stuff. His heart. Yeah. Put the heart monitor. Oh, dad got Ooh. shot. That's that's that, it. That always gets shot. You you making Drew Barrymore cry? That's it. That's <laughs> bad, George C. Scott. Bad, yeah, bad, George Sheriff. Who knows? He better kill. I shot my daddy. He's doing a good job of someone dying. I'll give him that. Usually you don't got you get the little twitch going there too. He fucking finished. George Seagull. Uh oh. Who is getting ready? She's gonna melt that fucking bullet, son. Where melt it over his hand. None of that, motherfucker. It jumps to it hits her and then it's at the curb curb fucking curb your enthusiasm ending with the music. (laughs) (laughs) Boof. <laughs> you guys ever seen um, the alternate ending to Mac and Me, where the fucking kid supposedly dies and, and the building blows up? Yeah, that's fucking dark. Yeah, I've seen Paul Rudd constantly play that thing on late night. What? This is my oh yeah, like with Conan, how he's like, yeah, I'll show you my my latest movie. And he always shows the same clip over and over again of Mac and me, of the kid in the wheelchair basically falling off the cliff and falls in the water. Then Mac comes up. That's all he would show. That's funny. I like him. I didn't like Uh, the new Ghostbuster movie, but I like Paul Rudd. I still haven't seen it. It ain't worth it. 
<laughs> He's still hanging on, the father here. He's going to strangle her and take her soul so he can live again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd start too. Avenge me, doctor. Now, I wonder how they got her to cry for this scene. Didn't she need a spanking, require a spanking? Why do you think she's her butt is off camera? Damn it, Jesse. Habitual line stepper right there. Got three fingers in her. Manhog for the win. Heck yeah. No, off camera. Off camera, they heated up a coat hanger, and they're just pressing it into her hand. Like, that's how they got that to go down. I like the way you think, Lamont. They hung her mother from a noose off camera. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking and screaming. You're a horrible actress. Now cry. I love how we're just dissecting all the ways that Hollywood traumatized Drew Barrymore into a life of drinking and drugs. Ah, yeah, she deserves everything she has, all the good she has now. Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, she deserves it. I mean, she spent the hell on back, and I'm really happy for her. I mean... I'm super proud. But... But yeah, in the in the immediate, I'm definitely still going with the hot coat hanger on the hand to make her <laughs> cry. Because that's how Hollywood in the '80s was. Yeah, like Corey Haim ran around screaming rape, and everybody was just like, "What? I can't hear you." Like, <laughs> <laughs> just fine. Mm. No, it's true. Oh, that's See what I'm saying. That effect probably set them back a few bucks. That looked good. Supposedly, nobody got hurt. None of the stuntmen got burned. Uh, liars. How did he get burned? How did he get burned? Nobody got burned on set. It was completely safe. Hey, how'd that guy look? (laughs) It was was offset. (laughs) It's no invasion USA. We don't talk about Larry's arm. (laughs) Real horses running around the fire. That, That might not be a doable thing nowadays. Yeah, Peter would not be happy. One of them fell, it looked like, too. Bray fucking broke its legs, probably, for the scene. Pete, Pete, Pete is a lie, anyway. Yeah. It is. Dirty bastards. People eat tasty animals. There you go. I'm, I'm going to eat that burger. I don't I don't give a <laughs> fuck how you feel about it, Peter. Just like you know. I, I don't care. I still eat veal. Veal's good for you. Baby cow is so tasty. Good for the soul. Yeah, I just, I just don't. I like rabbit, too. Rabbit's tasty. It is. She could cook some rabbits with her brain. Oh, yeah. She definitely could. We need her for camping. Yeah, that's actually a great. Hey, bring idea. her over for a barbecue. Oh. Look at that. She's like straight up shooting fireballs now. Heck like yeah. Actual Heck tangible balls that. of magma. She's out of pissed. Her brain. She's fucking all the way mad. Yeah. Oh, the oh, bullets are just melting. She's just burning them. She's just burning the bullets midair with her mind. Because that makes total sense. Mm, they like Look, at tubes. Look at that! Look at that! Just fire everywhere. It's a total eclipse of heart right there. Ouch! Yes, like, burn, burn the flames. Aya, aya, aya. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. Like everybody, I think. Yeah, they're all just fucked. You, you're coming at her with the stuff, but again, like. Yep, see, there you go. That's what happens. You shot at her, then the fucking nukes come out. Damn. She is like... She's a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, no, like, seriously, like, she's like Vladimir Putin right now. She's like, Das Vadanya. (laughs) You will kill for a lie. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what happens when you shoot the crazy fire chick's dad. What did you think was going to happen? 
He shot the dad and he died and now she's yeah, yeah. fucking pissed. If you're not playing board games, there's no grievance, counselor immediately. No. No, see what I'm saying? Gotta kill the girl, too. But they're not gonna kill her. It's not gonna work. She's melting bullets, man. It's over. I had the chance. Oh, there he is. Why do I feel like they actually tried making a sequel of this, oh. but it failed? Of what, this? Yeah, I don't I, think they ever made a sequel to this. No, but I mean, I don't... I don't think they were officially. Made, uh, the only sequel I can think of of this era of King movies would be Carrie Two. Yeah, no, you're the right. The Rage. Wasn't Shatner in that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Shatner really was in that for whatever reason. <laughs> Two seconds. He was probably a third of the budget. I guess the sequel in 2002 was Firestarter 2 Rekindled. Holy fuck, there really is a sequel to this. Yeah, I I thought there was. They really went with the the subtitle Rekindled? Rekindled, yeah. Oh, my God. It was so close to 9-11, they were still frazzled. You know what I mean? (laughs) The pilot didn't burn out. That's fucked up. I don't know how I feel about that. They they had a fire starter script based off of nine eleven, but then they had to scrap it. They had to go. They had to re- go back to the what they do: dig up her dad, shoot him, shoot him again, and then she fucking burnt the towers down. Like what the <laughs> hell? Osama bin Laden had the fire starting powers, and we were trying to get him from him. She kills Osama. So so it was like Firestarter three zero dark thirty. Yes, <laughs> that's actually not that, from a story standpoint. That's actually kind of interesting. What Firestarter mixed in with terrorism? Firestarter mixed in with like you know deep Black Hawk Down or something like that. You know, bringing in would, like, a, like a psychic it. elemental war. Where they, they are, yeah. If it, they mean, like are the, movie, the weapons. If they if could they, find it, they'd use it, weaponize it. Yeah. If they found a way to jerk that bull off and make some money, they'd do it. <laughs> you know, there's some listener. He's like, we're, we're going to write that story, and we're not going to give him any credit. They can have it. I'm, can I, have I'm, it, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> no thanks. I got, I got other fish to fry. Yeah. You know, scripts that make sense. <laughs> yeah, pre-production to worry about. I really do. You really do. Look at Jesse over there walking around strutting this stuff. Yeah, I learned it from watching you. <laughs> She's got a point. You're very mobile when we do this show, Coin. You are. And you, you change your really look a lot, that, too. That, that Tony Todd... That's got to be a miniature house. You think they just let a house go that that fucking heavy with blaze? Absolutely not. That's total. That's totally a fucking model. Yeah, it's a miniature. It's got to be. Fireballs were questionable too. Oh, they were. They were tennis balls on strings. Yeah, they were connected for some weird reason. Hey, wait! She's going to hang out with Art Carney and Nurse Ratchet. Someone's got to take care of her. Rocking that blue, getting out of the blue. Cause she feels yeah. blue. Look, his shirt's blue too. There's a lot of there's a lot of blue going on at the end of this movie. Just promise me you won't give me a lobotomy, Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, no, we're just gonna She's gonna lobotomize you. Heavily sedated. 
That's that's the joke. Is that once this was all over, yeah, it's exactly what happened. She got a lobotomy because she didn't want her house catching on fire. Until <laughs> lobotomy. Oh, good. I'm so glad I'm not the only one drinking out of it too later. <laughs> fuck yeah, we're classy as fuck. Oh yeah, we're classy. We're the best fucking Neanderthals ever. First, first of all, you heathens. I have we a single, I have a single liter of strawberry flavored water. That's what I'm drinking. Thank you very much. My brain heard hot dog flavored water. That sounds strawberry. Better. Strawberry, definitely not hot dog. <laughs> Hell yeah! And she has uh, a good life. Here's now. the end. She goes to school and has a good life. It ended happy. No. It ended happy. I guess that's no what death parties. No. <laughs> so, what'd you guys think of this one? Uh, boo. Oh. Boo boo. You guys boo. It was so riveting I fell asleep. It's definitely <laughs> one of the dullest of the King movies for sure, I'd say. I think I think my biggest gripe with it is that like the most important thing about a King movie is or a King story, I should say, is the characters and the rounding and the events that happened like you got to care about those characters you're made to care about those characters and then horrible shit happens to those characters and it fucks you up permanently subconsciously mm-hmm. and um this movie just feels like a collection of things that happen i don't feel like they ever find a tone yeah and i don't think that i don't think that we're made to care enough about what's happening that by the end of the movie we give a shit cuz we don't I, I I don't know. I think I think this one's a big, uh, yeah, big yeah, old, I'm, a big I mean, old I'm, fart. I mean, the best thing of the movie is the ending part where she's doing the fireballs and she's. I mean, that's like the only actually exciting and fun part of the movie. Everything else is kind of like meh. I mean, you got some great great actors and great uh, uh, people in here, but it. They don't seem very invested. They didn't. They don't really bring you into it. Even George C. Scott. I mean, I love the guy to death, but I mean, he did a great he, job. He's the best but... thing in the movie. Hmm? George C. Scott is the to me the best thing in this movie. And yeah, he's the best thing in this movie. But even he can't save it. I know, but and and that's I don't. I mean, whatever. I mean, Maybe summer winners, summer losers. We're not saying that this this is officially a loser because there is some stuff that can be a little more difficult to get through. And I'm not talking I'm not talking King. I'm talking film in general. But you know, I think the pay, I think there are some pacing issues. You know, I, I think the story is kind of all over the place. I think Mark Lester did, did the fucking best he could do with the situation. You know, he was tossed into. Yeah. And. You know, it's it's not his fault. I mean, I, I think there were some things that were working against them, and but you know, they persevered. They make and they, and they finished the production and it got out. So at least they can say they they did that. But you know, it's not in that pantheon of the greatest, you know, eighties movies or the, the greatest Stephen King stuff. But it's a movie. It's there and good, better, and different. You know, people can view it and form their own opinions on this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no doubt about that, Billy Corn. Yeah, I think it's a real, you know. But, I mean, seriously, I think the best thing about this is the fact that I'm spending Friday night with you guys because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is the highlight of my week. So, yeah. uh, I, we're happy to be the highlight of week. I'm, I'm glad we did this. I'm generally the highlight of most people's weeks, but I'll make yes, time. You are. <laughs> you are a fucking ray of sunshine. I do what I can. I do what I can. Very Your good. coat hanger. <laughs> hot coat hanger. That's how they got it. I'm telling you. It was spanking in one scene. It was a hot coat hanger in the other. Scary world, you know what I mean? That's 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 gonna haunt me forever. I wish I'd have never known that. <laughs> so yeah, I think we can all agree that this isn't the best of the Stephen King adaptations. No. No, Maybe quite the not worse. Maybe quite I'd say uh, probably this might be our, our red letter media <laughs> episode <laughs> of, of probably one of those few films that we kind of dragged across the coals, unfortunately, but we do it with lovingly, you know, and with appreciation. Even I, though, yeah. If this isn't the worst, it's definitely one of. Yeah. Top five for sure. Low five would yeah. be a low five. It's in, it's in the lower echelons, not yeah. the best. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we hope you all enjoyed that episode, and we'll see you all in a couple of weeks with a new episode of the Dead Kids of Derry. Enjoy. All the dead kids. I'm, I'm <laughs>